where forgiveness often isn't accepted or welcomed. As I read an article this week, when we are wronged, we would much rather curse, and then we rehearse, and then we nurse. We may curse the person by sharing some terrible words to hurt them to their face, or maybe it'll be behind their back. And then we rehearse, we try to plan how we're going to get that person back, and how we can take revenge on the person. And then we nurse, we nurse the hurt by not forgiving the person for the wrong. We kind of keep a bottle inside of us and hoping maybe that time will address it. But the wound stays open. While the secular culture that exists outside the church has made its way into believers' lives, brokenness becomes more prevalent than unity. As some song titles uh, have suggested, don't get mad, just get even. And churches are not exempt from that brokenness. I mean, Jesus is giving this parable to the people and to us for a purpose. And even with the Christian Reformed Church, pain was created through church divisions and brokenness. Already in the 40s and 50s, and divisions occurred with respect to issues such as even Christian day school education and, and baptism. And, and then in the 80s and 90s, women in office and worship styles and Lord's Supper. And then more recently, pastoral care to the LGBTQT+. And these are just a few examples that have caused division and judgment in local churches and in our denomination. And too often people are are judged for taking sides one way or the other. Judgment happens all over the place. People are then labeled perhaps maybe as conservative or liberal based on whatever issue is going on. Friends and family members have left the church for other churches or left the church altogether over the past years. Others have stayed but have made the choice to hold resentment, often with the unhealthy attitude of being bound and determined to set the church right according to their way of thinking. So there's hurt and anger and brokenness and lack of forgiveness. And what happens is the debt continues to pile up. Lack of forgiveness is a choice that brings pain and hurt. Lack in forgiveness, lack of forgiveness rather, results in a debt that grows and grows. And it not, it's not only happening in the church communities, but it's occurring in our workplaces and in our families, in our personal relationships and friendships. And sometimes it's a matter of forgiving ourselves. Through forgiveness, it allows the wound to be healed. And after the wound heals, a visible scar might remain, and the original wrong action could still be remembered. But the wound is no longer open. There's no chance of infection, so to speak. In our scripture reading this morning, Peter asked Jesus the question, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter knew the law. He knew the law of the Jewish rabbis, which said that a person only needs to forgive up to three times. That was the rabbis' laws. So Peter thought here he's being somewhat extra spiritual and more forgiving when he provided the answer of up to seven times to his question. And Peter was likely thrown back a little bit when Jesus responds, no, not seven times but 77 times. 
Other versions will indicate 70 times 7. You see, the exact number is not the issue. Rather, the number is symbolic. Because 7 is a number of fulfillment. It's the number of Sabbath. Every 7 years, debts are canceled or forgiven. You can read that in Deuteronomy 15. Every seven years, every seven times seven years is the year of Jubilee in the 50th year. And that's when slaves are to be freed. Their debts canceled, Leviticus 25. So this conversation between Peter and Jesus has the undertones of debts and cancellations or forgiveness of those debts. The idea was that one was to keep forgiving and not counting. Now, again, I think we can admit that we are people who find things hard to forget. So the sin is often not forgotten. And when we see a person that has wronged us in the past, it might bring up thoughts of what previously had happened. And so God gives us the opportunity to forgive, and I'm not going to say forget, but to forgive again and again and again. Jesus then tells Peter and his listeners a parable. And he's telling a parable of a master, a king, and, and, and his servants. And there was this master who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So the master, from this passage, the master took the initiative, okay? The master begins then with a the servant who owed an enormous amount of money. 10,000 bags of gold. You know, it's kind of like two kids getting together and they're making a bet between one another. Like, oh, who's got the best father? No, I got the best father. No, I do. I bet you a million, a billion bucks I have the best father. You understand? It's just a randy, random, silly, outrageous amount. It basically, um, 10,000 bags of gold basically adds to about 200,000 years of wages. So you can understand that the enormous amount of debt that was incurred and actually how ridiculous it would have been for the master to allow this debt to even get so high. So people listening to it in in these times would have thought, this is a ridiculous story. But the point was that the debt, a large debt was incurred and justice needs to be served. And if someone can't pay back their debt, then their possessions, their family, they were to be taken as slaves. And in that way, the master would at least get very small, minimal portion of his debt back. So the servant then begs the master to be patient with him and that he will pay back everything. Now the master knows that paying back this amount of debt was not possible. And so that these were empty words coming from the mouth of the servant. Just spitting out what he thinks the master needs to hear. These ridiculous words from the servant should have actually angered the master even more, but what does the master do? The master goes and offers compassion. He offers mercy to the man. So this parable is not only about forgiveness, it's also about mercy. And mercy is giving to the person what he it, or actually, mercy is not giving to the person what he or she deserves. The servant in this parable deserved to be treated justly, and his family deserved to be sold as slaves to repay the master, because that is just what was done in those times. 
I know we don't have to agree with that or anything, but that's what was done. So the master did not give this servant what he deserved. Instead, he gave mercy. And this astronomical amount of money was forgiven at the drop of a few words. The master canceled the debt and let him go free. He forgave the man every penny that he owed. The master had compassion and mercy on him. He knew this servant couldn't pay this multi-million dollar debt back. So receiving this huge act of mercy, you would think that this forgiven servant would be grateful and would pay the gratitude forward to other fellow servants. But the servant did not learn his lesson on compassion and mercy. He didn't change. He'd been offered healing, but chose to not allow the healing to take place. And the healing takes place when you offer the mercy. This servant who received mercy found his fellow servant who owed him a measly hundred silver coins. Basically, a hundred silver coins um, would probably be equivalent to a used car loan, which is still a fair sum, but was nothing compared to what the first servant owed the master. So just think about that comparison for a moment. hundred silver coins to 10,000 bags of gold. You see the difference, right? The forgiven servant was seeking justice with the other servant, which is okay, but not seeking mercy. Making his fellow servant pay the debt back was not wrong. Having him thrown in jail was not wrong either. Justice prevailed, but there was no mercy. There was no mercy and compassion shown as reflected by the master to the servant. So you've got to wonder, did the first servant just take everything for granted and ignored or even forgotten what had just happened to him? Well, the master hears what the first servant did, and the master then does the same as that servant did. Now, it's not revenge, okay? This is justice without mercy. As verse 34 brutally states, and it's brutal, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed, which, keep in mind, he could never repay that amount back. So he'd be in jail and being tortured till his death. You see, anger arises when mercy is ignored. Verse 35 sums up the whole parable. And this verse is the core of the parable where Jesus said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Justice is required. Mercy's not required. But mercy is what we need. And we cannot repay our debt. So we need forgiveness from God and from one another. We need his mercy. This story indicates that the kingdom of heaven is about forgiveness and mercy. And God desires for his kingdom of of heaven to already reign on this earth. But one cannot proclaim the reign of God unless one is willing to act out the reign of God in every aspect of his or her life. Now, we often seek justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Pay back for what you owe me. We, We have that system in place. I give you this, you pay it back, right? That's just. It's fair, it's right. 
But when it comes to huge amounts of debt, we can have all the justice in the world, but that debt still needs to be paid off, and it can't. So mercy is needed. We need mercy. Cancellation of debts is about mercy. Forgiveness is about mercy. It's not giving somebody it's not giving somebody something what they deserve. They deserve to pay back the debt. They cannot pay that back the debt. So mercy cancels the debt. Now I'm going to assume that many of us have debts, whether it be car loans, credit cards, house mortgages, farm credit, the list, the list goes on. Now picture your bank manager coming to you and saying all your debt to the very last penny has been canceled. No more payments. We'd probably go out and spend so much and have a party that our debt would increase. Or, or even the particular thing about this is that we'd probably go out and incur more debt hoping that this is going to happen again by this bank manager. But that's not the point, okay? Scripture refers to forgiving debts. We're taught this in our prayer, how we are called to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 12 states, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the same passage in Matthew chapter 6 then states, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mercy received implies that you should extend mercy. When we have a debt that we cannot pay back, the interest continues to accumulate, and this debt just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, we're just not going to be able to deal with the debt, ever. When we decide not to forgive someone, this increases our debts. Lack of forgiveness results in our debt increasing because it festers. People get hurt because people belong to a community. The community, too, gets hurt and suffers for it. The compounding effect takes place, and the debt just continues to increase. Forgiving one another is what God desires. That's his preferred future. That is what he desires for his people. And this may mean forgiving someone 77 times. When we are wronged by somebody, we often forget that we wronged God many times. And then we forget the sacrifice that Jesus himself paid for us on the cross. And that's why scripture says we need to forgive one another, just as Christ has forgiven us. When we harbor lack of forgiveness to our fellow brothers or sisters, we are forgetting the ultimate sacrifice of mercy made by our Savior. And God doesn't want us to forget what Christ has done for us. He doesn't want us to forget his mercy, to forget his forgiveness. We, have, we had the greatest debts owed to God. And there was no way possible that we could have paid this debt for our sins. But God showed his mercy upon us. We deserve justice, which means we should have paid for our own sins. Again, that was impossible. So instead, both justice and mercy were served. In this parable, justice was served by the master assuming the debt. And then he extended mercy to the servant. 
through Jesus Christ, justice is still served. Because God gave His one and only Son to die in our place. We receive the forgiveness of sins and gift of salvation through Jesus Christ the Lamb. Our punishment went upon Him and God extended mercy to us by canceling our debt. Justice was served because Jesus took upon Himself the ridiculous amount of our debt. Fair? No. Mercy? Yeah. And don't miss out on the ridiculous amount of debt incurred in this parable. And we are called to forgive small amounts in comparison. We are called to extend that gift of grace and mercy to others. In a sense, through this passage, we're calling, being called to pay it forward. We're to live a transformed life. Knowing that our debt has been repaid, we don't go out and accumulate more debt. Instead, we pass on that mercy to others, canceling debt. Now, we need to confess that we cannot do this on our own. And we need to take our hurts and our angers, and we need to bring them to Jesus right before the cross. We need the help of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to change us, to transform us. We need to confess that yes, we are weak. We do fall short. This is hard stuff. And it's in our weakness where God will show his strength. People, let Jesus into our lives and offer the forgiveness and mercy to others that we have been freely given. Having our debt canceled is nothing that we could have done on our own or nothing that we even deserve. It's all on account of the grace and mercy of God. So people of God, receive his grace. Receive his mercy. Receive the forgiveness of all our sins and receive the working of the Holy Spirit in us to extend the same grace and mercy to others. God gives us the opportunity to respond in gratitude and thanksgiving with grace and with mercy. Now I want to quickly jump back to Peter's statement. Peter doesn't say, how many times do I forgive someone who comes and says, sorry? That's not the words we're hearing. He simply says, how many times do I forgive someone who sins against me? You see, in this passage, the one with the debt is not taking the initiative. You may have noticed that the initiative was with Peter and the initiative was with the master. With forgiveness, the initiative does not have to be with the wrongdoer. In fact, in this passage, we're taught to forgive others on our own initiative. Jesus took the initiative to forgive us. We didn't go to him first. He forgave us. And then he called us to him to him and said, this is what I've done. My child, you are forgiven. And we may have replied, oh, be patient, I will repay. Mm -mm. Repayment's not possible. And Jesus knows that. You are forgiven, now go and do likewise. Now sometimes it might appear that we are unable to forgive. Perhaps the person has passed away. 
Perhaps we've been hurt so bad that we say the person or even ourself is unforgivable. Or the act might seem unforgivable, unforgivable, but the person is not. Whether they've passed away, whether they're even out of our life, forgiveness is possible. The debt needs to be forgiven for healing to take place. The wound needs to be healed. We forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not our own doing. Now, none of us like debts all that much. And as mentioned, a debt that's left alone continues to accumulate interest and it grows and it grows. What began with a debt from the wrongdoer ends up becoming your debt if forgiveness and mercy doesn't take place. And that debt needs to be removed. Forgiveness leads to being debt-free. Forgiveness leads to healing. And people, we all need healing. We need communities of reconciliation and restoration. And God is in the process of redeeming his world and his people. And we're included in that restoration process. This includes our relationships with one another and with our Lord. So again, receive. Receive God's amazing gift of mercy and forgiveness. And we must respond to forgive ourselves and one another, to have relationships that are open and honest because we all need healing. And we don't need to go through one more day forgetting the awesome gift of forgiveness that's given to us for our debts through the blood of Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, loving God, forgiving God. We thank you for the greatest gift that you've given to us through your Son, and you have given us forgiveness of all our sins. And because of this amazing gift of grace, may we respond in thankfulness and gratitude. May we respond by living out forgiveness and mercy towards others and towards ourselves, working us through the power of your Holy Spirit, because this is not an easy task, but with you all things are possible. We praise you for your Son and for calling us over and over again to follow you. We praise you for this time of worship. We thank you for your church and the many people who make up this local body and the Universal Christian Church. We thank you that later in the service we can celebrate the new deacons and elders in office and your continued faithfulness to us through leadership. We lift up those among our church family, our families, our communities who are struggling with loneliness, pain, losses, or illness. Whether it is your will, Lord, we ask that, where it is your will, will, Lord, we ask that you provide healing and your continued strength and comfort. Lord, we pray for our lives that were devastated by the blast in Lebanon this week. Give strength and healing to the people and to this broken nation. And Lord, many areas continue to be ravaged by COVID or other diseases. And we ask for healing and for your presence to be made known. And these are areas that people live in fear for their faith or being a different race or for many other reasons. And we pray for justice and for equity for all people. May we be people of grace and mercy and forgiveness as you taught us. And Lord, we pray that we have sensed your nearness and your presence during this service May we do so throughout this week and throughout our lives, work in us to take what we experience and learn here and to allow it to work in, lives, in us lives of obedience and faith. And we pray this only in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.